0: Welcome
1: back to Grassroots marketing on CannabisRadio.com. We're going to talk about the tri area uh, tri area of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, which you know when you look at the cannabis market and the fact we're getting legalization rolled out, especially with New York, finally getting that rollout being implemented now as we speak, there is so many opportunities have, of that area that could be the biggest mar- one of the biggest markets in the world. Well, brokering real estate deals for the cannabis industry represents a very large and growing opportunity. There are a myriad of complicated issues. And here to talk about it is the founder of Cannabeta Realty. And Maddie Neighbor is the founder of that said realty company. And he joins us now. Maddie, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jorge.
1: My pleasure. So Cannabeta is a cannabis-focused real estate brokerage, the first firm in the New York and New Jersey areas dedicated to serving the needs of cannabis. So when you bring up various obstacles or issues that are in the place, some of the ones that are already brought up, which is being prefaced here about how cannabis companies don't always think about it when it comes to choosing real estate, it's rapidly changing legalities, restrictive zoning policies, a competitive environment and unique business strategies. Now I know I've talked to uh, several people when it comes to New York legalization and the issues when it comes around, say, you know, in the various areas where which cities are being allowed to have people go ahead and acquire real estate for business, whether it's for cultivation, whether it's for retail dispensaries or what have you. And the same thing goes for neighborhoods that do not want to have any particular retailer businesses in their backyard. Talk to me about the, some of the obstacles that you've mentioned here and what you're dealing with on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, <clears throat> You know, the, the way that our country works, right? We have sort of federal laws, state laws, local laws, right? And so when it comes to cannabis, those are all going to be very different. You kind of need to be familiar with how each of them affect um, what your business strategies are, how, you, how you're going to be able to operate a business or can you operate a business? Um, as, it, as it relates to real estate, um, you know, so we work in the tri-state area, as you mentioned, uh, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. So, and actually Maryland as well. So the, um, you know, each of those states has a completely different set of regulations that uh, we as real estate brokers need to be familiar with. Um, And then even beyond that, we sort of need to be familiar with the uh, local regulations. Um, It's usually kind of on the town or township level that you sort of need to be most familiar with the regulations. Right. Um, In New York and New Jersey. But you know, there's something like 500 or so towns in New Jersey. Um, I think there's something like maybe 1200 or so in New York State. Um, And so you know, yeah, anytime you're going to be sourcing real estate for a cannabis business, um, you need to be familiar with the state laws. And you also need to be familiar with each of those towns and whether or not they passed a cannabis ordinance. And usually deep within the pages of that cannabis ordinance is sort of where they talk about zoning and where they're going to allow certain properties. And then oftentimes there's other restrictions that they might want to place on how those businesses operate. And as far as um, I know, means- the, the,
1: yeah. the ordinances that were supposed to be in place for the cities in New York that wanted to opt out, that has that already happened? Has that been completed or is that still yeah, uh, it has. being decided? Okay.
2: Yeah, so uh, municipalities, based on the the MRTA, which is the law that that New York State passed to legalize for recreational use in last March. Um, So based on that, um, municipalities had until December 31st, 2021, uh, to opt out if they were going to opt out. And if they didn't opt out, then they automatically opted in. Um, so I would say roughly about 50% of the municipalities opted out uh, in New York State. And well, you know, we always want more to opt in than to opt out. The, the good news about that is that the municipalities that opted out can always decide later to opt back in. but the municipalities that opted in or didn't opt out before December 31st, um, they, they are, are not able to ever um, opt out at any point. So at, the, so at least we know uh, there will always be a minimum of roughly 50% of the mis- municipalities in New York State that are going to allow uh, cannabis businesses. And another thing to kind of mention about that as it relates to New York State is that those municipalities were only allowed to opt out of uh, dispensaries and social establishments. Um, they, they're they not allowed to opt out of uh, cultivation, and I think they're not allowed to opt out of like manufacturing and uh, delivery services and things like that as well. Um, and that's different from how it is in New Jersey, where the municipalities were granted the power to opt out of any kind of cannabis business. So in New Jersey, you sort of see... Um, you know, some municipalities have opted out of cultivation, but not dispensaries, and some have opted out of dispensaries, but not cultivation. And it's a whole big uh, patchwork of, of differences there.
1: Now, what I also remember was uh, there was one guest that I had on uh, not too long ago, uh, Steve Molito. He was a he's a partner at Davidoff Hunter and Citron, sits on the ch- cannabis department and the New York State Government Relations Group. Uh, mentioned the issue about how. Um, the various ramifications that there are in terms of what real estate's being allowed and where people can, you know, when you have various liquor stores or you have, you know, tobacco stores that are being allowed to be brought in, zoned in properly or what have you, and then the same thing happens here. One of the things I want to ask you about is just your background with Canabeta that, you know, you've already been working, you know, in the New York, New Jersey real estate market for decades, and what you're doing now, you have a block-by-block knowledge of New York City itself and the demographic trends to identify ideal locations for any kind of dispensary. And the and you also have relationships relationship with the top landlords in New York City, finalizing the best deal structures for clients. So with right now, let me ask you as well, because of what happened with the New York real estate market, I mean, in the housing market, I know there's been a, quite a bit of people that have left apartments. I mean, there's a lot of people that have left homes I know because I'm in South Florida, we're seeing a lot of New Yorkers moving here because the restrictions for uh, the pandemic might have been a little bit too restrictive for some, and they chose not to go ahead and stay. Plus, there might be other issues that they might look at uh, when it comes to crime, when it comes to other areas. For those arguments, there, how's that opened up or how's that changed the real estate market based on some of the companies that you're working with to find homes?
2: So in New York City um, is interesting because I would say that um, over the past few years, um, if you own commercial property in New York City, um, that was probably one of the worst asset classes that you could be invested in with during the pandemic, right? Um, So, you know, whether it was retail, hotels, office buildings. I mean, I think Wall Street related
1: also came down here as well from auction houses to businesses, to bars and restaurants, all that was affected.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, basically, um, you know, during the pandemic, you sort of saw less people coming into the office, um, you know, sort of less tourism and, um, you know, less people doing things like eating out of restaurants, although that's sort of rebounded, but then you still have, you know, people are going to salons less, people are going to their gyms less, people are going to their trainers less, people to go into the yoga classes less. So anyway, how all that kind of is relevant to cannabis is that right now in New York City, um, we are probably seeing uh, somewhere like some record levels of of inventory available on the retail side of things, which is very helpful. Uh, You know, for for the cannabis industry that's going to be coming in and sort of taking a lot of these retail locations, Um, you know, New York City has a population of 8 million people. um, And then just that's just the the resident population. We have a huge commuter population. Uh, We have something like 60 million visitors a year that visited here before the pandemic. Um, So, you know, it's a tremendous opportunity um, in terms of like, you know, cannabis retail here. That's and, why I
1: point that across because of whatever the news might have been, however it's being portrayed. There's a positive spot for for new businesses to come into the space. You have to replace those. Why not cannabis? Now, are these yeah, landlords and some of these or these uh, holders of of real estate? Are they uh, how responsible have they been to cannabis businesses coming into their fold?
2: In terms of in terms of uh, landlords in New York City, um, the the biggest issue. You know for them really is you know coming down to um you know the, their issues with lenders potentially so there's there's a lot of times where a landlord has a mortgage from a traditional bank on their property and that traditional bank uh you know essentially blocks them from being able to rent to uh cannabis tenants you know the bank essentially says you're not allowed to do that mm-hmm. um, and and even in cases where that's not always the case, the landlords are are still somewhat wise to the idea that, you know, even if they don't have a mortgage or they have a mortgage from a bank that is more friendly to it, uh, their options for being able to refinance their property later on could be limited because they have a cannabis tenant. Um, so I think that, you know, because of that alone, um, you know, there has to be some kind of um, consideration in a sense that these cannabis businesses offer the landlords And so I do think that, you know, generally speaking, um, you know, it can and probably reasonably should cost the cannabis businesses a little bit more to rent these at these locations than a typical uh, business might might, you know, have. Um, So that's the biggest obstacle, I would say, when it comes to working with the landlords. Uh, For the most part, I think it's just a dollars and cents things for them. Um, We have had one, you know, just only one time I've had a landlord say that they had some kind of moral. Um, you know, uh, you know, issue with it or something. Um, And and then one other time, you know, it was sort of like a shopping plaza or kind of like a high end mall sort of situation where, Mm -hmm. you know, they just didn't didn't want that for the mall. Um, But usually the issue is the is the landlord uh, financing part of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that makes it a big challenging in New York City, uh, because, you know, our state law prevents a dispensary from opening up within 500 feet of a school or within 200 feet of a church. And for basically every other part of the state, that's like not a big deal at all uh, because things are far apart. But in high-density areas in New York City, that's a tremendous challenge. And basically you know, there's some neighborhoods that we look at like Harlem or Greenwich Village or downtown Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you know, Upper West Side, you know, many, many neighborhoods in the city, you know, 80 to 90% of the available retail in those neighborhoods is already crossed off the list because it's going to be too close to a church or too close to a school, right? No, I'm I say a house of worship.
1: Correct, correct. Yeah. Well, I must say now, the other thing that people should go and keep an eye on because of your work with Cannabeta Realty It's not just the fact you're just some real estate firm. Because of your background, you were very much a real estate developer, asset manager, hotelier, salesperson, and always with a passion for drug policy reform. And the work you've done yeah. with Alpha Development, which I see is still something that, you're, that your team is still involved in, where you've been yeah. instrumental in overseeing over $500 million in construction projects in downtown Manhattan. You worked on sustainable development. You work closely with communities, local governing agencies, and then hundreds of leases and sale transactions that raised over three hundred million dollars in debt and equity for various real estate investors. Amazing! So all that background as well. You know how extensive can Cannabeda Realty be once the property is located? What if they want to go ahead and build on it? Is there anything you could do of them beyond? what you already do in terms of helping them find a location. Can you help them with resources and acquiring what they need to go ahead and put the project together?
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, there, there've been a couple of times and I'd say this doesn't come up as much in New York City um, where usually, you know, you're, it's, it's very rare, especially in the high density areas. You know, it's usually a building that might be 10 stories or something. So there's a retail component on the ground floor. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we're not looking at uh, developing, you know, a building or something in New York City for cannabis, right? Um, However, you know, there are things like that have been coming up a lot in New Jersey for us, you know, potentially areas around New York City. Um, So in New Jersey right now, there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. Um, There are some locations that are currently, you know, pad retail sites. Uh, that, that cannabis operators are considering building on for dispensaries because they're in good locations mm-hmm. and they can structure a good deal with the, the owners of those sites. Um, and then I think you're seeing a lot of that on the cultivation side as well because um, New Jersey in particular has a very, very limited supply of industrial space. Um, and it's a very big, it's going to be a very big cannabis market. You know, there's 9 million people that live in New Jersey, it's the high, most densely populated state in the nation. Um, you know, so, and there's a lot of economic activity there and, and, uh, people that pass through there. And so, um, one of the questions I'm going to
1: ask you is when you look at what's going on in California and the ramifications they have right now with operating costs, with regulatory issues, you know, and I can imagine the taxing and the licensing that's going on over there, you know, is there anything that you're learning about from New York where hopefully the same mistakes are not gonna be made in New York because New York, if everything goes right, could surpass California as a much more revenue gaining state for cannabis.
2: Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, uh, New york the New York state law has a much lower tax rate than California's uh, on the cannabis sales. So, you know, yeah. that's a big one <laughs> right there. I think the, the overall tax rate in uh, New York is gonna be like 13% on the sales. And I think in California, I don't remember exactly, but I know it's, it's over more. 20. Right. Um, and I think New Jersey is around 20 as well. So, yeah, I mean, just that alone is going to be a big help. Um, New York State um, is sort of unique in our region. Um, you know, unlike New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, uh, there are a lot of existing hemp farmers in New York State, and they're actually going to end up being the first ones to cultivate um thc containing marijuana really in the state right. for the recreational industry which is going and to that's be an in upstate actually. correct yeah they just passed this bill actually like three days ago in the state right. so it's very hot off the press um and so basically they're they're going to allow people with existing hemp licenses from last year to be able to convert those to a kind of provisional license which will allow them to grow to cultivate thc containing marijuana that they will um be like amongst the first people to, to service, you know, our, our recreational dispensaries in the state. So that, that's really interesting um, sort of thing that is developing here. And so you're not really gonna see, so there's gonna be a lot of like greenhouse cultivation and outdoor cultivation in New York state, which you're not gonna see really in New Jersey, Connecticut, um, you know, or Massachusetts at all, which is um, large majority over 95% probably or so is gonna be cultivated indoors and in warehouses. Right. Um, so that's an interesting sort of thing that's going to be taking place here, um, and and just in general, yeah, I think that you know, I think that we're all really excited in New York State. There's a lot of really wonderful like energy about the the industry coming here. Um, I think that we have probably the most forward um, social equity uh, I provisions say, say in our law, Fs. yeah, and and also the 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 cannabis. Um, control board here is just very, very um, focused on small business ownership, social equity, sustainability. Um, they're probably the most progressive cannabis control board that has existed to date in any state, I think. Um, and you know, the director of our Office of Cannabis Management uh, was this person that used to work at the Drug Policy Alliance, which is actually somewhere I used to work as well in my ah, okay. much much younger days, <laughs> much, much younger days before I got into the real estate industry. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, no, so, I mean, I've been like a cannabis activist for over two decades, too, so. Um, and I'm, but, I'm sure yeah. you're so
1: happy to see New York finally get across the finish line, that Governor Cuomo, you know, regardless, that was one thing that was a great accomplishment, that he was able to go and sign that bill, bring it into place, and it's being implemented. And, you know, it's obvious it looks like New York wants to go ahead and do right by this implementation for social equity. Opportunity zones for those disenfranchised. They want to go ahead and roll out the right way because I know they want to serve as the role model for federal legalization. And we know that Governor, or me, uh, yeah. Senator Schumer is paying uh, attention. So is Senator Booker. They're all paying attention to saying, you know what? I know Schumer's very much attentive to see how New York rolls this out because I think that's the role, that's the model they want to go and lay out for federal once that's down the line because he's part of the bill that, uh, one of the very many bills he's proposing or supporting in the Senate to get passed.
2: Yeah, it took a really long time for legalization to come to New York. Unfortunately, I mean, it took way too long. But the the uh, silver lining of that is that when it did come, it was a good bill. I agree. Um, Very activist I agree. friendly, very consumer friendly. Um, not quite as friendly necessarily to the to the big money sort of corporations. Um, so that that was nice to see. You know, as somebody that's been an activist in the, you know, in the um, in the movement for a long time. Oh, but he changed know, his mind. Uh,
1: he wasn't originally that way it wasn't until he saw what happened with Colorado and he's like completely turned around
2: well Cuomo was really the obstacle so I'm not going to give him any credit for this oh no no I meant he Schumer. Was really... I
1: wasn't talking about Cuomo, oh yeah actually. yeah
2: yes <laughs> gotcha yeah yeah uh yeah to Cuomo I think Cuomo, I Cuomo I think really, really held it Cuomo
1: for needed for, a win. He needed, a, he needed a win in his pocket uh during a tough he, time I he, think that's what he, it was
2: yeah uh, exactly it was just a purely political like I have a sexual harassment scandal going on right now. Let me distract well, yeah. the media by legalizing marijuana. And you know what? It's, at least we got legal marijuana out of that. And, you know, he got his <laughs> reckoning anyway. So I agree.
0: <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, I mean, look, yeah. we're,
2: we're excited to we're excited in the place that we're at right now. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, um, I, I think like having legal cannabis in New York State is something that the world hasn't seen yet. The industry hasn't seen yet. I mean, New York City is on the world stage in a way that nowhere else that has had legal cannabis is, yeah. you know, we're the, the media capital, financial capital of the world, tremendous amount of tourists. And I'm excited to see, I think like, you know, legal cannabis being done right in New York state and in New York city in particular, being, uh, you know, an inspiration for places like Japan or something one day, right? right. Like who knows, We could have knock-on effects for, for, you know, ending marijuana prohibition on a, in a worldwide level, which is what I'm hoping for.
1: I just hope that for New York itself, you know, this, that any remaining state of emergency kind of uh, measures can be dropped at this point, And there can still be a way now for all residents to go ahead and be well protected while things are kind of still rolling out from COVID. Is that something we can do so that businesses can flourish again? And then, you know, things can kind of uh, work its way back economically and uh, for the residents there itself. Uh, Maddie, really, we do appreciate you taking time out. Well, let me go and direct people to the website. Canna Bet, great website name by the way. That's some. That's a good domain. C a n n a b e t a dot When people go to the website, you know, for those that might be interested in working with you, uh, what's the best thing they should do when they go and reach onto the site, and what you're able to offer? Please, you know, let our listeners know what Canabeta can do for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the best way to get in touch, we have all our contact info on the website.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, we really like to try to learn a lot about people that are reaching out to us to see, you know, what they're, what they're looking to do. Um, Sometimes, you know, we're, we're happy to help refer them to other people if it seems like they need some other services beyond besides ours. Um, But yeah, I mean, basically what we do is we source real estate for any kind of plant touching business in the States that we operate in. So whether if you're looking to source real estate for, uh, you know, dispensary, cultivation site, you know, manufacturing, labs, um, wholesale, you know, wh- whatever it is, if it's plant touching, um, that's what we sort of specialize in because that's where the, um, you know, very particular zoning restrictions sort of come in that we, we really kind of maintain an expertise in and, and essentially spend, you know, a lot of time building out property databases of sites that pass those those zoning restrictions. So, um, you know, and, and we, we basically uh, work, uh, very closely with our clients. We, we help offer um, you know strategic consulting um, and basically get them through to the finish line so that they they have a property to operate their business in. Right. Fantastic. Again, the website is
1: cannabeta.com, C-A-N-N-A-B-E-T-A.com. And Maddie Namer has being my guest here, the founder of Cannabeta Realty, uh, based in New York City and New York State. Thank you so much for making time to talk to us.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Go to chime.com disclosures for details.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by.